Welcome to the Finally Marketing That Works podcast. We all know marketing is a very vast array of things and services. You will see kind of the evolution of marketing. We're going to interview guests from all walks of life. Stay tuned and enjoy the Finally Marketing That Works podcast. Well, if you are a wine connoisseur or wanting to become a wine connoisseur, just a lover of wine, you're going to love this episode as I interview Agent Crew out of California, Napa Valley, as we talk about his company Wine Spies and just the wine industry in general. It's going to be fun, and I hope you will strap in and tune in and have fun on today's episode of the Finally Marketing That Works podcast. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Finally Marketing Networks podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Slater. I'm here with a new friend out of California, Agent Crew. Agent, how you doing today, sir? I'm good. How's it going? Dude, man, super good. Still in Alaska visiting family, and I know you're just in beautiful, beautiful California. Whereabouts in California are you? Well, I'm sitting here in our headquarters in Petaluma, which is kind of the, I would say, the hippest part of Sonoma County. If you guys haven't been out to wine country, Sonoma's right next to Napa County. Okay. Man, and I see I was just I was just there. My wife and I, you know, we drove a truck and trailer from Florida up to up to Alaska, skipped Canada because they were still closed, but we drove through Napa Valley and uh you know, and, <laughs> uh shoot a state park there in, in Napa and it was it was that was one of our favorite places, even though we didn't have full hookups. We are the backyard of you would if you'd say of the campground was a vineyard we just got to look at in the mountains and then yeah. we went to um now of course i'm spacing the name of the winery we went to it was the only one that you could just walk in other ones had reservations and they were all booked it was something with an s um s- 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 whatever saint supri there's so there's there are so many wineries it's insane <sighs> it, it is yeah. Well, I live in the Sonoma Valley, which is just directly over on the other side of the hill there in the town of Kenwood. And I mean, it's just all vineyards as far as I can see. It's beautiful. What can I say? (laughs) I'm not complaining. That's awesome. It is a different, it's a different beauty that I feel like you have to experience to really appreciate it, I guess. Because, so I grew up, um, Baxter on me. So uh, my family, we had muscadine grapevines when we lived in Florida, my way back in the day. So my parents learned how to make make wine, uh, and we learned how to make it as young kids, and it was fun. I enjoyed. it. I thought it was a beautiful thing. We only had thirty six vines. We didn't have a lot, but it was enough to to make wine. We made fruit leathers and juice and jelly and all these different things. So then my family moved to Alaska when I was a little kid, and obviously you know we didn't do any grapes anymore. But then they made dandelion wine one time, and I don't I don't even know if they liked it or not. <laughs> they made dandelion wine i think they've done rhubarb wine so they i've been around it a little bit definitely don't know a ton about it but it's very intriguing just the wine industry in general uh i wouldn't even say i wouldn't say i'm a wine connoisseur hey all you need is sugar man you can take some sugar and and welch's grape juice and and that'll turn into wine (laughs) (laughs) and and i wouldn't even say i'm a wine connoisseur but i will say and i want you to try this agent if you if you haven't there's a um uh a wine company out of Homer, Alaska called Bear Creek Winery. And it is by far my favorite wine it is use. They use a lot of Alaska berries and everything. And my favorite that they make is called the peach apricot. It is just delicious, yeah. super sweet wine. Um, and I'm a very sweet wine fan. So I'm not in the red since I'm a, I'm, I guess a, a wimpy, maybe wimpy wine drinker and you're probably your terms, right? 
I mean, honestly, I, I really believe whatever you like is all good. I mean, ever to each their own. Uh, people, uh, my number one problem with people's attitude towards wine is when they try to, you know, yuck other people's yum. So, you know, if peach apricot is your jam, then all the all the more power to you, brother. Well, thanks. Um, what is your favorite wine? If you had to pick, you had any day. Yeah, I mean, actually, I like them. I like them not sweet, but uh, I like the big, juicy, jammy ones myself. I'm kind of a Zinfandel guy. Um, so out here in Sonoma, we do some really good Zins. Dry Creek Valley is kind of the home of the big Zinfandel, the big boozy fruit bomb. So I'm definitely into that, um, you know, but I do like a very nice cab. Um, red blends are really, you know, it, uh, my, my family's winery is called Deerfield Ranch Winery. It's, it's out in the Sonoma Valley there. And my, my uncle, he pretty much specializes in blends. So I really kind of came up with that philosophy. When you think about it, it's kind of like, that's like you, cooking. You don't really cook with one ingredient, even it, just adding a dash of salt, you know, is the bare minimum. So with wine, it's kind of the same thing. You can, you can really mix and match to end up with a much better wine at the end of the day. All the different varietals kind of are their own own flavors and, and, and profiles of where it hits the palate. So that's kind of, that's kind of my uh, philosophy. And I notice obviously there's different price ranges for wine. And so, you know, I go, I am, I tend to just, if I want some wine and I don't drink very often, but I would buy the cheap, the cheapest one typically. Cause I'm like, Oh, I just enjoy that taste. And there's a, a store. I'm sure you've heard of it. Cause they're in California too, is Aldi. Um, the, the, and they have their own, no, it's a grocery store and they have their own brand of wine called uh, Winky Owl. And when I buy it in Florida, it's literally $2.97 <laughs> is what the bottle of wine is. And I'll just buy that. And it's, I think it's delicious. But what, what differentiates a $3 bottle of wine to let's say a $1,000 or $2,500 bottle of wine? Like where, do, where does that come from? And why do people pay that over a, a cheap one? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So it really comes down to the cost of the grapes um, and the scale of the production. Hmm. So, you know, and again, more power to you. I mean, the, the winking out kind of reminds me of Night Train, which was super popular back in the 70s. Same thing, grocery store, but they made a ton of it. And I would put the emphasis on, you know, they make a ton of it. So, you know, when you get to very large scales of production, there's just the process becomes very, very different. You're dealing with truckloads of grapes, all kinds of stuff gets in there. It all gets thrown in the fermenter. There's no sorting process whatsoever. And then the grapes come from all over the place. So, you know, we're talking massive vineyards up and down the Central Valley in California is where most of it comes from. That kind of wine comes from out here. And it's just trucked in from all over the place. So, you know, when... When you start to get into more expensive bottles of wine, and, and I'm not even talking about like, you know, $100 bottles, I'm talking about like $20 bottles. Already, you're starting to get into a different world where you're talking about wines that are typically made from, you know, a particular geographical area, and that have a kind of character to them because they're from that place. Um, and then typically, they're starting to be produced at somewhat smaller scales where you can actually the winemakers can actually pay attention to individual lots of wine. Um, and it's not, it's much less of kind of a commodity where you're just making, you know, wine and you're kind of making a more of a, you know, a, a, a product with some attention to detail. It's not just wine. So, 
and 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 also these days there's a lot of additives and whatnot that people can put in wine uh and that's all that's actually i mean they can make uh kind of more consistently good wine at the lower price points you can go to trader joe's you know and get a pretty decent bottle of wine for five bucks but it's just going to have a very generic character because you know they've literally added some basically flavorings to make it taste like blackberries kind of thing okay you know man yeah but 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 what i would stress is like there's kind of all up and down the price range there's really um you know there's something out there for everybody and so you know wine spies which i'm the ceo of wine spies and we're we're an internet flash sale site so we sell one different wine every 24 hours at a crazy crazy price so you know if it's a $50 $50 wine, we're selling it for 25. If it's a hundred dollar wine, we're selling it for 40 bucks, maybe. Um, and so up and down that price point scale, yeah, you'll you'll definitely notice varying levels of quality. And and it's one of those things where, you know, without yucking your yum, you will find, I guarantee you that if I started drinking some wine with you and started pouring you a few sips, you'd be like, okay, okay, like I, I see, I see where you're going with this. I kind of like this one more than that one. And it's not about being snobby, but you probably, your taste might change over time to where you are starting to see, okay, now I see what this, you know, this $25 bottle is all about, you know? Okay. And I'd be, I would be curious to try that one day just because I, I'm one of those ones going, do they really know the difference? Or are they just saying, oh, that's, it's a hundred dollars and it's, you know, fancy. Cause I have no idea. I just never, not in that circle at all, but do enjoy a good, like you said, Zinfandel, I enjoy those. Those are good. Uh, but it does well i would say i would say like and it's a somewhat unpopular opinion from the professional side but i would kind of say that roughly you know there's a massive difference between the quality that that anybody with the slightly experienced palate you know a five dollar wine up to i would say about a forty dollar wine I would argue that after 40 bucks, you can essentially find a wine of that quality somewhere. It doesn't mean it's like super easy to find, but there, you can get essentially the finest wine for that. And there's a lot to do with just brand name and esteem. But that being said, I mean, for those, those $100 wines, I mean, they ought to deliver on something. And it's not totally subjective like if you buy that hundred dollar bottle you're expecting a certain type of, of flavor a certain type of quality and if you don't get that you're like oh well you know i got gypped <laughs> <laughs> so so at wine spies you, you know that's like our number one thing i mean we taste literally thousands of wines a year and we only bring you one wine every day so you know we're very choosy and we probably reject you know 19 bottles for every one that we end up going with so wow we kiss a lot of frogs to find the prince on your behalf <laughs> oh my gosh i kind of thought when i when i first was reading up on you and i was like a new wine every day that they're talking about with this deal i'm like won't they run run out of wine eventually or run out of wine bot like going oh there's oh we're, yeah but we start got to do the same one on february 1st next year you know but I'm guessing there's an endless amount of wines that you can feature every day then. I think there's something like, you know, 4,200 licensed wineries in, in Napa and Sonoma alone. So you can imagine how many actual wines there are. And that's just in, you know, that's just in one area in California. So, and we sell wine from all over the world. So yeah, there's a, there's no end of good wines out there, but it, we do actually do quite a bit of legwork to find ones that we can 
we can sell at crazy prices that still have the the quality you know that's the hard part man i went to there's a store down in florida and i know they have multiple chains and of course i'm spacing the name now but it's the wine it's like a wine supermarket where it's um gosh i can't believe i can't space in the name uh florida is it specs i mean specs is texas no wine's in the name it's wine that. wine something or something wine and i walked in one time because i was wanted to find that homer alaska wine and it wasn't in there but i walked in i was just like a warehouse for just wine and it was just thousands of different oh, kinds yeah. of wine. it was unbelievable and i didn't have what i wanted which i was like what how do you not with all these wines not have what i'm looking for yeah well that just goes to show you how much there is thousands and thousands of different bottles and they don't have the one you're looking for yeah i mean specs specs in texas is like that i mean it's like the size of a freaking walmart but it's just wine <laughs> jeez and so for for wine spies i mean how do you how do you guys go about marketing that and if you had some successes and some flops on like trying to get the word out about it and Kind of how was that world look like for you? Yeah, Wine Spies has had a really interesting journey, um, and it's kind of really an interesting marketing case study. Uh, it's we were founded in two thousand seven, so we've actually been around for you know nearly fifteen years now. And uh, at the beginning, so we we're exclusively e commerce, so everything's been built online from the start. At the beginning really what we did was the the wineries that we partnered with we had encouraged them to send an email to their to their audience promoting the deal and that was you know early on pretty effective and that's how we initially had built the audience um over time you know as people got more sensitive about email promotion i mean this is 2007 you know yeah so we we essentially kind of had reached a plateau where you know we've we'd kind of the wineries were less inclined to send out that email. And then we were in a position where we kind of had a nice little audience and we're a little bit, a little bit resting on our laurels. So what we did to, you know, and, and so in the past three years, I mean, we've experienced just explosive growth. Uh, and a lot of that is due to some key hires, um, excellent marketing talent. Um, but really what I've come to appreciate is it's all about just the fundamentals so excellent copywriting that sells. I mean, if you read our daily deals, we really improve the quality of the writing. Um, and it's not that it's more serious. In fact, it got more playful, more personable, um, more you know, authentic gets bandied around a lot. But really, I mean, we try to have our actual, like it feels like a person's writing it, you know, that's, and that's really important, especially with wine, because it's, you know, you really gotta, you know, connect. Um, so just improved copywriting. I can't say, you know, uh, I can't under understate how much that was important to what we were able to do, but really just in terms of expanding the audience, it really is, you know, kind of, you know, 2010s, 2021 um, marketing 101, just creating lots of different ad sets with different messaging, properly doing AB testing, same thing with the emails, testing different subject lines and, you know, it's the kind of thing where if you go to any you know growth hacking conference, it's exactly what they tell you to do, and yet where pe most people fall down is they don't do the the hard boring work of setting up campaigns, you know, on Facebook and and watching them like a hawk, 
and looking for, you know, small wins of like, you know, three, 4% performance of, you know, one campaign over the other. Um, and that's, and that's been a huge aspect of it. Um, and that's just kind of the nuts and bolts side of it. Um, for us, we hadn't done a tremendous amount of marketing in the past, so it was, you know, a lot of low hanging fruit. Um, but then, you know, kind of, and, and, and I think importantly, on the other hand, hand, we actually did roll out a completely unique feature, which our competitors don't have called lockers, where essentially you're able to buy one or two bottles over time and, and build a case. And then that case will ship for free. So, so that's, that's a huge game changer for us. Um, so those kinds of, those kinds of, those kinds of wins stack on top of each other. Um, so, you know, you've got a killer feature, which is unique. And we had spent the time innovating around that. And then also just kind of getting back to basics in terms of growing your audience. And, you know, I mean, I just won't understand, again, I won't, very simple things, creating excellent sales funnels from, you know, that first touch all the way through to the conversion, you know, now, now customer juniors really are the focus, um, trying to create nice flows for people all the way through with subtle nudges. I mean, yeah, it's again, it's all stuff that you'll hear at any growth hacking seminar. Um, and you're like, yeah, 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 I know all these things, but do you actually take the time to do them and do them well? Um, so that's, that's crucial. And, and to, to stop me if I'm going on, um, you're good. Let's see here. And then, you know, two th so, so this year's a huge year for us. Like actually it's, it's crazy timing to be talking with you because next month we're rolling out a brand new version of the site we've been working on for over 15 months. Um, and we're rolling out with a huge marketing campaign. Um, it's got, you know, a little bit of, uh, so we, we actually spent invested in a really high end production, uh, commercial, which is badass. We're so excited to put it out there. Uh, we worked with chamber media on it. It's hilarious. We got like a proper action video commercial for, uh, cause we're the wine spies, right? It's got fight scenes, bottles getting broken over people's heads. It's, it's pretty sweet. So we're, we're rolling that out along with the announcement of the new version of the site and a crazy new feature called vault, uh, the vault where you can basically buy a bottle of wine for 20 bucks and you never know what it's going to be. It'll be worth at least $20, but it could be worth a thousand bucks. You never know. I love that. And all that launches when? That's August 2nd. So coming up shortly here. And that whole thing is also, we're combining that with um, what we're calling our, our next generation launch party. So it's two full weeks of just insane deals like we've never done before. I mean, you know, and then a lot of those, I mean, frankly, some of that's just a sheer, sheer, uh, sheer marketing for promotion. We're, we're taking like even slimmer margins than we normally do. So we're bringing some stupid prices out. So that's two weeks um, starting August 2nd. Uh, so it's definitely going to be worth checking out because there's going to be some great scores on there. Oh my goodness. So I, is this, is this one of the best ways to probably, you know, obviously your family has a, a winery, but getting into wine this way, instead of trying to just depend on selling your own wine, is this probably a, a better way to make a profit in this industry? Cause I've heard it's a, it's cutthroat and it's hard. I've always heard it's hard to make profit in, in wine is, is that true? And if so, why is that the case for that, that I've heard that all the time? Yeah, my first, yeah. So whenever anyone asks me about getting into the wine industry, my very first advice is don't <laughs> because it, it, it is absolutely the case. I mean, there's a, 
really just popular and famous idiom in the wine industry, or it's just how do you make a small fortune in the wine industry? Start with a large fortune. <laughs> because it's just, it's, it's, the reason is simple. Wine is hard to make and expensive. It's an agricultural product. So there's risk and there's a lot of variation from year to year. Um, and that adds to the cost of production. And then there's a ton of competition. Um, so, you know, between, you know, it being, it being a very crowded space and it already being, uh, you know, a kind of a low margin product, it's, it's extremely difficult. And, you know, frankly, there's also a lot of money in the industry because it's a glamorous industry. And so there's quite a few wineries that are well capitalized from essentially, you know, being hobby projects or pet projects from with, you know, people that have unlimited resources. And that makes it quite challenging for a small winery that is not in that situation to compete. Um, so that's all, you know, it's all very, very hard for those reasons. And, you know, what I typically feel like is, Hey, if you're a, if you're a smart, talented person and you know, in anything, if you're in hospitality, if you're a chemist and you want to work in the lab, you know, at the, at the wine lab, like if you have, if you're a, a competent business person, you know, take those talents and spend them elsewhere. You will make more money if that is your goal, you know, but um, yeah, wine spies is a super interesting niche. Uh, the, my favorite part about it is that when you're working at a, a, a specific winery, you're drinking the same wine all the time. You're telling the same story. For wine spies, though, you know, we're literally, you know, drinking 30 different wines a week from all over the world. So it's super fun to to get to know about all those. And then our, our wine buyer, Agent Noir, is truly, I mean, this guy is just so knowledgeable. He's such a pro. So he educates me all the time. And I've just learned such a great deal about the wines of the world. So that's been a ton of fun. And yeah, I mean, it's a good little uh, niche business. It's a little, it's it's challenging to continuously source and find the good deals. And if you look at our site, we do a, a huge amount of writing every single day for every single sale. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's a constant workflow in that way. But um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I love it. I mean, it's, I found the, the perfect spot. And also we have tons of fun. I mean, you should see our, you should see our armory. We've got a Nerf gun collection. That's like, it's, it's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and I love that, that niche that you have. Cause I've always heard that about wine where it's, yeah, it's expensive to get into it, but it looks, it looks so glamorous though, agent. Like when I, when I go by, I'm like, well, look at this, these mansion houses and beautiful, they have acres and acres of land in Napa Valley. Where, where does all that come from? Are they all just millionaires to buy in and they lose money every year on this winery then? Uh, quite often the, the new entrance. Yes, that is the case, you know, and um, you know, they're often, so either, you know, when the wine industry out here has changed dramatically in, you know, in the past 50 years. So in the 1970s, you could, you know, you could buy land in Napa. And uh, if you did, good for you because <laughs> it is worth a lot of money. Same with Sonoma. Um, so, you know, and Sonoma has kind of always been, uh, you know, a little bit of the, uh, the, the step, the stepchild to Napa that's, you know, people aren't quite appreciative of, but that's changed dramatically in the past 20 years. And so Sonoma has been uh, for better, or worse, you know, really catching up quite quickly in terms of, you know, property values, cost of wine, cost of grapes, all that. 
So, um, and just uh, you know, status as a tourist designation, as a you know, tourist destination. So, yeah, it's either, it's either, you know, you've, your family's been established for decades or you're a new entrant that had really deep pockets coming into the industry. There's not really, you know, secret option uh, C. Now also, also, well, I should say there's also been a ton of consolidation in the wine industry. So there's a lot of, it's very corporate now. Um, so the big wine companies themselves are, you know, they, they have really deep pockets and they're able to, uh, you know, operate with economies of scale. Um, and they're able to, you know, kind of, you know, cross market and, and pollinate, you know, cross pollinate their brands in that way. Also, because they're much larger, they've got a lot more clout with distributors. And, and really that's where the money's to be made. If you can be, if you can push the brand nationally and be in restaurants all over the country, be in stores all over the country. Okay. Well, now you're making money. Okay. And, and is your goal long-term is um, you have this family winery. Are you wanting to take over the family winery one day or, or do you kind of just want to do your wine spies and kind of not be in the wine, like actual wine making world? Well, that's funny. You should ask that actually. I mean, I worked for my family's winery for 10 years. I actually was the general manager of the winery um, by the time I left. And uh, well, let me put it this way. Yeah. Maybe like it's uh, <laughs> like many people, I, I kind of view the family winery as maybe when I get that large fortune, maybe I'll turn it back into a small one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a, it's such a, it really is. It has to be a passion project. It has to be a labor of love. It is so much, it's, it's not just, you know, it's not just the amount of work. It's just, there's, I mean, my, so my uncle, who's, who's the winemaker, I mean, he, he'll either be, you know, he's answering emails at four in the morning so that he can get up and, and fix the tractor so that it's ready in time for harvesting in the morning. And then, you know, do the winemaking thing all day and then, you know, make sure he's handling VIP groups in the afternoon in the cave so it's just and that's every day um for what i would you know for you know for for making a living kind of thing you know so it's yeah. it's it's tough for sure so maybe, maybe one day I'll, I'll be back over at deerfield but for now wine spies baby we're we're blowing up and it feels it feels great the team is so fun so awesome to work with it's so exciting what we've got going on and you know it's honestly we're just at the beginning of something great so we're, we're, we're uh, possibly going to launch Spirit Spies in the future. Mm. Again, we, we're rolling out the brand new version of the site with some crazy new features that nobody else has. And uh, I just think there's going to be a lot of excitement from the wine world for Wine Spies. We just, oh, this building I'm sitting in, we just recently purchased a new headquarters in Petaluma. We're just remodeling the upstairs offices right now. So there's just like a little temporary downstairs space, but uh, it's going to be really cool. And we're trying to turn it into kind of a landmark. One day you'll be able to come in and, and sit in like a 1960s, style archer spy lounge and, and drink some wine so so we well you know age and i'm so excited and stoked for you in this launch in uh in august and this now spirit spies may be coming later that is exciting you guys got a lot happening for you so um huge congratulations uh, as we wrap up i'd love you to if you have a nugget or two you want to share with people before they if they're listening and maybe they want to start a winery they have a winery or just a regular business person if there was some type of advice that you would want to give them one, one or two or three things, what would that be? Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to start a winery again, don't, <laughs> you know, you know what the best thing to do if you're super passionate about wine is drink it in terms of, and again, just in terms of, you know, marketing and, and building a business, 
my, my two pieces of advice are just get, get back to the basics and do the hard work, do the boring work. Don't spend a ton of time, you know, on the brand development and getting every little thing right. I mean, I think a lot of people really enjoy the planning part of the process, which is great. I'm a huge fan of planning, but make sure that you don't skip that execution phase. That's the most important part. And if you're going to balance your time, balance it on the actual execution phase and not on the planning phase, do more things. And then I guess I would just say, you know, I, I really think one of the secrets of our success has been building a great team. You know, I really like it when people show up stoked to work. I actually believe that happy people are productive people. And, you know, that means paying them well, but it, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, you know, create a Silicon Valley office where there's, you know, free sandwiches and whatnot. It just means that, you know, people like, it's fun. I mean, I, I, it really, I mean, fun and also success breeds success. So get yourself a little bit of success and then build on it. Love it, man. Well, um, obviously you've, you've mentioned it already. If people want to get in touch with you, just need, they need to go to winespies.com, right? Heck yeah, man. Winespies.com where it's at, you know, and if you, and it's actually a great place to dip your toe in the water of the wine world. Cause we've got great deals. So if you've never had some wines, we only sell wines that you love, so pick up any bottle, and uh, that's a great place to start. And if you're an experienced wine drinker, I mean, you'll be very happy you found us because your your expensive drinking habit just got more affordable. So, <laughs> See, you're there helping people every day. That's perfect. Absolutely. That's what I try to do. Give them a little bit of uh, liquid love. Well, Agent, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy. you got a huge business, and you're growing. But thank you for giving some time today to talk to the listeners and to me. I enjoyed it and uh, I'd love to get together with you sometime there in California and drink some wine together. Yeah, come on out and see me. Come down to Wine Spies headquarters, man. It's been a real pleasure, Mitchell. Thank you very much. Thanks. Well, if you didn't know anything about wine before this episode, hopefully you were able to leave with at least one, two, or maybe even three things after this episode. It is a vast industry from all over the world, people making wine and selling it. And I learned a lot. And I had a lot of fun in this episode and I've always been very... Uh, interested in that industry and just how it works. You think about all these different kinds of wines, styles of wine, and people like sweet wines and not sweet wines. And my goodness, it just goes on and on for all the different styles that I don't even just I don't even know about. But I enjoyed it, and I have a lot of respect for that industry. So I hope if you are tuning in and you were interested in wine, you learned a lot from that and were able to maybe use some of those tips to your own business, or maybe you have a winery and you're looking for tips and you were able to learn uh, from Agent Crew, and maybe you just tuned in, you're like, man, I really want a bottle of wine. Well, you can get a sweet, cheap bottle uh, every day, a new one on their website, winespies.com. So we're going to have more fun guests just like this, so tune in every week on the Finally Marketing That Works podcast. We'll see you then.